Hi, thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the Pop Punk Project. I'm your host, Keenan. Hi, everyone. You might remember me from last week. My name is Mike! We're excited to be back again for another installment, and we have a really good one for you this week. Yes, that's right, Keenan. Heads down, this is the best episode I can ever remember. Wait, Mike, why are you talking like that? <laughs> In honor of Dashboard Confessional this week, I figured I would do my best for his Karaba impression. Uh, I just realized this is probably the stupidest one I've ever done. <laughs> you just realized it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right, Mike. This week is Dashboard's album, A Mark, A Mission, A Brand, A Scar. And a little later, we're going to be joined by a very special guest, friend of the show, maybe best friend of the show, Tommy Lindemann. I'd love to stay and chat, but I think it's about that time. Let's stage dive in. A Mark, A Mission, A Brand, A Scar is the third studio album by Dashboard Confessional, released on August 12th, 2003, through Vagrant Records. Dashboard started as the one-man acoustic project of vocalist-guitarist Chris Caraba. The previous album, The Places You Have Come to Fear the Most, released in 2001, featured a full band on a few songs. That album became the label's best-selling release, which convinced Caraba to write more music with full band instrumentation. At the time of recording, the band consisted of Chris Caraba, who was the lead singer and guitarist, John Leffler, also guitarist, Scott Schoenbeck, who played bass, and Mike Marsh, the drummer. The album debuted at number two on the Billboard 200 chart, selling 122,000 copies in its first week, and it has been certified gold by the RIAA. Now this is August 2003, Mike, what in the world's going on here? A lot to talk about this month, Keenan. On August 16th, Cristiano Ronaldo, age 18, makes his debut for Manchester United and the Premier League in a 4-0 home victory over Bolton Wanderers. Wow, big win for the teenager there, Mike. Yeah, Ronaldo, what a massive celebrity across the world, Keenan. What do you know about Ronaldo? Well, besides the fact that he made his debut for Manchester United on August 16th, 2003, is it? Uh, he's a huge heartthrob, Keenan. The ladies love him. The ladies do love him. The guys want to be him. And um, he does a great job of spreading the joy of soccer and football all over the world. That's what he's most known for, spreading the joy of football all over the world. Right. He also had a bust made of himself that looked pretty funky. Remember <laughs> yeah, that? I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that was a big deal. <laughs> it looked nothing like him. It did not look like a heartthrob. It was very <laughs> no. ugly. Yeah, okay. On August 26th, the Columbia Accident Investigation Board released its final report on Space Shuttle Columbia disaster. And I know we've actually talked about that disaster before. That was such a big part of our middle school lives. But this is when they actually released their findings, they determined that there was damage to the spaceship that caused it to disintegrate upon its arrival back to the atmosphere. That's a sad story, Keenan. Do you know offhand the year that the Columbia disaster was? It was like a couple years before, right? It was earlier this year, I believe. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, that was one of the sadder stories I remember from our time growing up, Keenan. <laughs> That's uh, about all I have to say about the Columbia disaster. <laughs> it's hard to rip on that one. Do you remember where you were when it happened? Nope. You don't? I must have blocked that out of my mind. Do you, were we in school? I don't know. You didn't put when it happened. I obviously forgot when it happened. I was just leaving my... It was a standardized test. Oh, we have talked about this before. PSATs? Yeah. Yeah. I think I was leaving the PSATs and I heard about it and it was all over the news as soon as I got home. Yeah, I don't remember where I was, but are you one of those guys that likes reading the reports on things? Like, obviously it already happened and it's it was a terrible tragedy. And it's like, I guess it's good to figure out what went wrong so that you don't repeat it. But it's also like a lot of time and effort into not really bringing anybody back or preventing that disaster wait is your question if i read this report no like you know the people that are obsessed with the jfk assassination papers and it's like the guy's dead that was definitely like a -a one-of-a-kind conspiracy theory i guess this one i don't know if it was as famous but yeah this one was a pretty big deal too though and on august 28th the 20th mtv video music awards Hosted by Chris Rock Ayers, Keenan, And I wish there were some way we could remember the major players at that award show. Well, Mike, do I have a nice treat for you. Listen to some of these throwback artists. You ready? Mm, bring it on. Video of the year. Missy Elliott's Work It. Remember that one? Let me work it. Let me work it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. Pretty good. Best male video. Of the year. Justin Timberlake's Crimea River. Pretty sure that one was about Britney Spears, wasn't it? If I had to guess, yeah, I think it was. Huge. Best female video? Beyonce's Crazy in Love. Mm, I actually do remember that one. The music video. Uh, don't you remember all these? <laughs> Not the music videos. <laughs> oh. oh, I remember all these music videos. They're so good. And then here's probably my favorite one of the bunch. Best new artist in a video? 50 Cent's In Da Club. Nice. Very gangster, Keenan. Oh, yeah. Really gangster. Collectively, our favorite segment, Mike. You want to drop that beat? Sure, Keenan. Celebrity weddings, celebrity weddings. Get a load of all these crazy celebrity weddings. There's some good ones this month, Mike. You ready for these? Yeah, let's uh, let's rattle them off, Keenan. Okay, on August 10th, Yuri Ivanovich Malinchenko... As you know, the famous Russian (laughs) cosmonaut becomes the first person to marry somebody in space. Whoa. Yeah, it was out of this world, Mike. And he married Ekaterina Dmitrev, who was on Earth. So, I don't know, is that the furthest wedding that's ever happened? Talk about long distance, Keenan. True that, Mike. What's the difference between an astronaut and a cosmonaut? Oh, I looked this up. Okay, good. (laughs) Uh, you want to know really what it is? Sure. One's American and one's Russian. It's as simple uh-huh. as that. Huh, okay. Yeah, now you know. Charlie Kelly, if you're listening, please call in. We need the actual answer to that. Cosmonaut sounds better with, like, comrade, and it sounds like a more Soviet word for astronaut. Very Soviet. Very <laughs> communist. Takes all the independence and personality out of it. <laughs> sure, Mike. Did anything else happen on August 10th? Oh, yeah. Big one. You ready? Fox News correspondent Geraldo Rivera, at the age of 60, weds former 
Rivera Live producer Erica Levy, who is 28. That was his fifth marriage, Mike. His fifth. Wow. You want to know the good news? I would love to. They're still married to this day. Fantastic, Keenan. I guess the fifth time's the charm. <laughs> For Geraldo Rivera, yes. <laughs> and then one of your favorites here, Mike, on August 29th, comedian Amy Poehler marries fellow comedian Will Arnett. They divorced in 2016. Ah, uh, yes, Keenan. They were a power couple in the world of comedy, and I remember when they did announce their divorce, it was a sad day. You know, everybody loved these two as individuals, and even better if they were married. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, but if they can't make it work, you know, who can? Yeah, really. What's the point in getting married, Keenan? That's what I'm saying. And anybody who's currently scheduled to get married is an idiot. (laughs) Like, if you just got engaged, you are stupid. (laughs) So dumb, Keenan. That'll be a funny joke later. We'll explain why. And now, Mike, let's play that next upbeat jam, Celebrity Deaths. Celebrity deaths We're so sad these celebrities died On August 11th, Herb Brooks, American ice hockey coach, who coached the American ice hockey team during Miracle on Ice, I believe, right, Mike? That's right, Keenan. He unfortunately died in a car accident at 66. That is untimely and sad, and I didn't realize how young he was when he did coach that Olympic team. Yeah, he was a young man with his whole life ahead of him, Mike. At least he beat the Ruskies, Keenan. That's right. Wow, a lot of America versus Russia dialogue this month. Yeah. Of this year. He sent all those cosmonauts on ice back to where they came from. Now, Mike, you're a big fan of Dashboard Confessional, right? Sure am, Keenan. Love the guy. <laughs> it's not a guy anymore. He pretty much is. Yeah, that's true. So what do you remember, Mike? What were some themes of this album? Well, the thing that I love most about Chris and Dashboard Confessional Keenan was they really put the emo in emotional. They were a band that weren't afraid to shy away from really singing about their feelings and getting all those emotions out on paper and out through songs. So we will see a lot of heart on your sleeve raw, passionate themes on this album. A lot of relationships, which seems to be a consistent thing with a lot of the groups we discuss. But I think the way that Caraba is able to write about it is really well done. He has a great way with words. Yeah, I would say in addition to the more common relationship themes that we've seen in these other pop punk artists or emo artists, Dashboard tends to be even more introspective than the others. They explore things like personal anxieties and insecurities during relationships. They use typically complex analogies for breakups, things like that, which is not something we typically see. And they really don't shy away from many things either, Keenan. There's a lot of somber themes on this album, like addiction, some personal tragedies, and some broader critiques of society and the world around them. So we really get a great mix from these guys. Wow. Speaking of all those really depressing themes, Mike, it's the perfect timing to bring on our very special guest, humongous friend of the show, one of our very first patrons ever. This guy really supported us during the dark times, Mike. (laughs) Tommy Lindemann. Tommy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Keenan. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. 
Uh, and I'm glad you talked about the dark times when you had your Patreon and still charge people despite not making any content. So, uh, stop. Yeah, really pleased to be here. It was an investment, Tommy. And <laughs> since you invested so heavily, look at us now, you know? Still waiting on those returns. <laughs> <laughs> One day. We invested all in Bitcoin, so we're going to be very rich someday. I should have gone with Doge. Now, Tommy, you're a big Dashboard fan, are you not? Yeah, I grew up listening to Dashboard. So you remember this album pretty well then, I would imagine. Yeah, I think um, I had been very into, uh, I had a couple of EPs leading up to this one, and they all had some great bangers on there. And then this one came out, and I uh, I jumped out to, to get it at the store as soon as it came out. 12 years old. Does this one stand out to you in any way? Is this one different from the other ones? Do you like this one more than the others? I think as a whole, I do. I think individually, there are a couple of other songs that um, I find better on some of the EPs. But as a complete package, this album is uh, is my favorite. Great. Happy to hear that. Yeah. I actually went in, uh, I think two years after the album came out, I went and saw them play at what was formerly known as the Tweeter Center in Camden, New Jersey. That's right. Um, and brand new opened up for them. And, uh, and then they, Chris Caraba and, and co just brought it home. You know, half the crowd was crying. Uh, <laughs> everyone was happy. And I think that's, that's a big thing for Dashboard. They don't have the classic emo songs of I'm a scorned boy, scorned by my lover. And I'm sad and, Oh, I don't girls like me. It's uh, There's some happy ones in there, too, that sort of celebrate uh, joy, which is it's a nice change of pace than the, the standard uh, across email and pop punk. They sure know how to hit you in the feels. There's no doubt about that. Mike, did you also have this album or no? I did. All of my dashboard listening began all at once. My friend Sherilyn Buscarino from camp, who you probably remember, Keenan, she was a huge dashboard fan. And I think it was around the time this album came out and hands down was kind of all over the place. And I decided I wanted to listen to more of their stuff. So she had all of the previous albums. And so I kind of ripped them all onto my iTunes all at the same time. And like Tommy was saying, I remember a lot of their earlier acoustic stuff were what I was really into at the time. And then, as we mentioned, this was like their first electric, all electric album. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. And it was the songs that were currently popular. So I remember I always listened to this one. I always listened to this album in particular. But over time, I've come to really appreciate their whole catalog. And they really have their finger on the pulse of this emotional kind of music. And they do a great job of saying it in a way that a lot of other bands can't. I think you're right. And I'll follow your guys' lead on this one because I did not own this album. And some of these songs I was actually discovering for the first time listening this past week or two. And so a lot of these were new to me, which was kind of cool. There were some obvious ones, some of the more popular ones from the album that uh, I was rediscovering. But uh, I think you guys can educate me on this one. I think you're going to have to hold my hand through this one. But yeah, this one was a nice change of pace. This was a cool album. Before we get started with the first song, I was wondering if I could do a quick uh, plug here. When I talked to some sponsors about the fact that I was going to be on this podcast, they asked if I could read some ad copy. They said they'd throw me a couple bones and figured I would see if I could take some time. Of course, Tommy. Yeah. As long as it makes our way to our bank accounts as well. 
Yeah, maybe. Uh, okay, anyway. Here's one. Parents just don't understand you, am I right? Turn down that music, they say, as you're rocking out to the latest newfound glory record. Wash that hair, they shriek as you apply more hair dye and eyeliner to join the black parade. Why is this door locked? They ask as you snap your laptop shut, slide it under your pillow, and try not to make any noise, hoping they'll go away and not come back with a key. Parents just don't get it. But worms do. Denis Villeneuve's Dune is an out-of-this-world adventure set in the far future on a desert planet. Enormous sandworms produce spice, a wonder drug that keeps the entire universe running, and when young Paul is forced by his father to move to this dangerous planet, you can be sure danger is not far behind. Luckily, Paul has worms. Dune, now playing everywhere and streaming on HBO Max. <laughs> Go see it today. You really can with HBO Max. It's great. Wow. I actually saw it on there. I was pretty excited. Dune's the best. Track number one, Hands Down. This song, which is the first single, I believe was originally recorded as an acoustic song and then was re-recorded for this album. Is that true, Tommy? Yeah, it was first on the So Impossible EP. And then I believe it was next on, they had their MTV Unplugged album, or maybe that was after, but uh, it's featured on both in acoustic. Which version do you like better? Uh, I think I like the... Electric, because this is one of our rock band, so I can jam out to it and act like I'm a real rock star. <laughs> That's a really good point. I think what's cool about this song right away is, and we were alluding to it in our hilarious intro, this is one of the main examples of Chris Caraba's unique way of singing, where he has very soft verses and loud, booming, screaming choruses. That just became one of the staples of Dashboard throughout the years and of Chris Carava specifically. And so this song, I think, is the perfect prime example of that type of music, that type of style. The verses are like this emotional buildup, and then the chorus is the boiling point where, you know, he really reinforces it with like these catchy, repetitive choruses that get stuck in your head. And I would have to agree with Tommy. I've always liked the electric version of this song better. Maybe that's not the way it was originally written, but for whatever reason, I just think this song is better suited with that full band atmosphere. I think it gives it more 
pomp and circumstance and emotion behind it. Now, Tommy, can you educate me? What is this song about? So when I saw them in concert, he, uh, it was actually the song that they closed with. And, you know, they faked everyone out. They're like, oh, we're going to end it with Vindicated. And they go back. And then he comes back out for an encore, pulls up a stool and does it acoustic himself. And he starts it off by saying, uh, the song's about the best date I've ever had. And uh, I think that's pretty clearly what it's about. <laughs> it's not like a crass song about, like, getting some. You know, they talk about getting some in it. It's a song about being out on a date with someone, just trying to find some privacy and just enjoying each other's company. A lot of it has like the anticipation of a first kiss. He gets a little dramatic about it, you know, says, oh, if you kiss me, I'll, I'll die. So just do it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a, it's a super happy song. Tommy, I think you're exactly right. This definitely is chris caraba's best date ever but can i walk you through what this date sounded like when i was listening to it again and reading through the lyrics tell me if i'm accurate about this go ahead so it sounded like he started out at a party with this girl they were hanging out then they're sitting in a dark room alone listening to music together and he's just loving the atmosphere then they go for a late night walk and then they hop a fence and then he walks her home and they just aggressively make out outside does that sound like the best date ever the way that he describes it? Yes. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to confirm that. It was just so funny because I know that he's describing this like magical night and it probably was his very special moment. But then I was like getting into the back half of the song and it's like, why are they hopping fences and like walking to these random neighborhoods super late at night? But hey, teach his own, you know? I always got the impression that it was like the girl's gate. Like it was her house that they had gotten back to. And like her parents had locked up for the night. Ah, uh, okay. That would make more sense. To make it a, a little less creepy from their perspective. <laughs> but it's yeah. also like, I'll let you into your house. Sure. So that was uh, Chris's best date he's ever had. What was the best date that you guys have ever had? Wow. What a crazy question there, Tommy. Yeah, that puts me in a tough position because I actually have to think of a good time I had with my wife. <laughs> Uh, Mike, you sure do hate your wife. Man, do I ever, Keenan. <laughs> I remember one date. I actually don't know if it's considered a date or like a trip or a little vacation. But I do remember one pretty good long weekend date I went on to... What was it called? Sounds like a great date. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was an old Saybrook connecticut it was this little shore town on the ocean and i just remember we stayed at this really cool resort kind of fun beach town i remember that being a pretty uh cool date that sounds really great keenan that sounds like a really nice date yeah it was fun it was a nice little uh it was a nice little getaway tommy it was a romantic getaway that does sound relaxing keenan wow hey did you get some <laughs> man that is so dumb it's funny because i thought back to when my wife and i first started dating this song always gave me first date, early relationship kind of vibes. Like, he's still open for anything. Like, this girl can make him, break him, like, fill his heart, make it burst, whatever. And so I thought of our first Valentine's Day. We just went out to dinner at um, this Thai place at Penn State. And the relationship was still very new and young. And I just remember thinking... Uh, I remember feeling excited that 
you know, we were laughing a lot and just having a nice time. And I'm sure there have been better dates, but that's, I guess, the most memorable one for me. So that and the time we went to go see Super 8 and left right after the trailers because she had low blood sugar and we had to go to the <laughs> hospital. That was memorable, oh, yeah. too. I think you told me about that one before. Yeah, that was a fun one. Now, <laughs> what about you, Tommy? You have exciting recent news in your love life, but would you like to expand on, I hope your favorite date is with your now fiance. That would be appropriate. Well, after hearing Keenan's about going to Old Saybrook and knowing that my fiance used to spend her summers in Old Saybrook, uh, I'm a little worried that it was the same person. Mm, I'll never tell. Um, no, it... <laughs> I think it's it's pretty close to this song in that one of my first dates with my now fiance Lauren. Shout out to her if she's listening. Hey, sup, Lauren? Probably not, but maybe I had invited her out to go to an emo night at one of the bars here in Philly, and uh, we get there, and in pretty emo uh, situation, the DJ had canceled because he quote just wasn't feeling it that night (laughs) so uh, you know we got pizza and then i walked her home and you know there's that anticipation of is there going to be a first kiss here what's what's going to happen sort of like bouncing the whole way there uh and then right out front of her door it happened and wow spectacular nice yeah so did you have to hop any fences to get there or what i'm pretty tall so any fences i can sort of step over good point yeah you could definitely reach any locks and latches that you need to i think of the three women we just discussed lauren is definitely listening whoever keenan went on a date with might be listening and abby is not listening so (laughs) hope they enjoyed those stories about them it's a good mix i can almost guarantee that my date is also not listening (laughs) nice if she is then that would be weird for her you made the right choice and not choosing her (laughs) yep that was my choice mike (laughs) and as the lead single for this album there was a music video for the song do you guys remember it no you don't no i don't either is that a trick question no so okay this is actually kind of funny there was a music video but you can't find it like anywhere on youtube and i was doing some research i was digging around and apparently there's some dispute currently between Chris Caraba and the label and I don't know, the production company, there's some sort of argument over money and production rights and stuff. And so you can't find it on YouTube. I had to go to like this bizarre website. I think it was actually the guy who directed the music video. I think it was his personal website and he just has it on there. So I rewatched it on this dude's website. So you guys didn't see it? No, if it's not at the top of YouTube, I don't I don't look much further. <laughs> yeah, good point. If it's not on the first like page, yeah. Yeah, the algorithm knows what I want to watch. I don't need <laughs> to be searching for anything else. Yeah, good point. All I'll say about it is it looks like it could be like a film student's final art project. It's very basic. It's not bad, but it's very basic. And they just use like what I guess were sort of new artsy like special effects that were probably very state-of-the-art back then, but these days would be probably entry-level stuff. So, I don't know. It was just them performing in these sort of 
bizarre special effects happening in the background. Nice. Well, luckily for that guy, he's going to get a ton of traffic to his website through our description <laughs> this week. That's right. Yeah. Everybody's going to be going straight there right after this. I can't provide his name. I don't remember his name or anything, but. If you guys plug anything on this show, it's going to make a lot of money. That's true. Yeah. Huge. Huge ad revenue. Uh, hands down. First track is actually Lauren's favorite song on the album. Really? That's huge. Mm-hmm. Lauren picked the lead single. How unique. Yeah. yeah. Didn't really get much deeper than that. <laughs> That's great. But she is a pop punk enthusiast, so her opinion does matter. Track number two, Rapid Hope Loss. This was actually one of the earliest songs written for the album. Cool, Keenan. That's pretty cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Can you believe that, Mike? I can't. It's the second single um, for which I did find a music video. <laughs> <laughs> did you actually find it this time? Yeah. That's good news. And I thought it was interesting because the first song, the first single was so positive and uplifting and just a nice feel about it. And this one just completely goes in the opposite direction wouldn't you say yeah i think it's about not giving a second chance to an ex right we're finding out your ex is not the person you thought they were they're you know this fake person uh yeah it's all about trashing your exes which by the way we're all for if you're one of our exes out there screw you mm -hmm. <laughs> uh yeah i think uh i think it's kind of immature on the on the singer's part it's like you know, the girl wants out of a relationship and the guy says, uh, yeah, well, I don't want you anyway. That's their way of coping. And it just seems kind of juvenile as a response. And then he gets really negative about her. Yeah, that's right, Tommy. I guess that all you've got is all you're going to get so much for so much more. So he's kind of like, I don't suck. You suck, actually, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but yeah, f*** our exes, Keenan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't like him, so. I do hear what you're saying, Tommy, but what if this person betrayed Chris Caraba? What if they broke his heart? Then I feel like that's a fine response. Yeah, well, it certainly made him very cynical by the end of the song. So much for so much more. You know, it's like he's not expecting much out of anyone anymore. That's true. Pretty beaten up. But if you look back at that first song, it seems like he bounces back. He does. He definitely does. This song just made me think about having to see your exes or hearing about your exes when they move on from you and just how awkward that is, especially if you travel in the same groups and you're forced to continue to hear about them or see them. That's just like the most bizarre situation. I feel like he could be responding to a situation like that where he thought it was over and he's just forced to kind of relive it over and over again. And that makes him really uh, pessimistic about the whole thing. Doesn't that suck guys? That's why you marry the first girl that ever shows interest in you. <laughs> That's a really good point. That's a good strategy, Mike. Look at you. Yeah, it's weird to see yourself as kind of a 
character in, in other people's lives, just somebody that gets discussed and a topic of, of conversation that maybe you don't want to be a part of, but your good-for-nothing ex just keeps dirtying up your life. I think Gautier said it best, Mike. Now you're just somebody that I used to know. <laughs> mm, so true, Keenan. Yeah, we're doing his album next week, so. And Mike, you mentioned there is a music video for this song. What'd you think of it? I thought it was fun, Keenan. It's really funny to me that you said that you thought the Hands Down music video used a lot of current special effects and cinematography tricks because I think that this video does a lot of that too. We see a lot of interesting transitions from different types of screens, whether it be a TV screen, a postcard, a magazine cover. There's these transitions from scene to scene through these different items that are used. And other than that, it's kind of just the guys rocking out and, um, you know, talking about how this girl sucks. <laughs> and there was the random part that they were just throwing dice in an alley, which I thought was out of place and pretty amusing. So <laughs> that's what I like the most about it. You got to make a buck somehow. That's true. It's a product of its era. You know, dice. That's right. Huge that's in exactly 2004, right. 2003. 2003. Huge yeah. in 2003. It was big back then. <laughs> Street gambling was all the rage, if I remember correctly. Especially among this crowd. <laughs> you know what I noticed in this music video that was kind of funny? A couple things, actually. One, did you notice his haircut in this music video? Yeah, it was kind of, uh, it was like an in-between. It was like not quite long enough, not quite short enough. It was kind of like an emo bowl cut. Usually, I feel like when I picture him, he's fairly clean cut, but this was like, Seemed off-brand for him. I don't think so. If you've seen recent pictures, he has sort of that, like, you know, those pictures of, like, the quote-unquote Karens of, yeah. you know, the yeah. negative women uh, with, like, the swoop hair. No, now it's really over the top. Mm -hmm. But back then, it was just, like, this straight – he looked like old Justin Bieber when Justin Bieber had, like, the very, like, matted-down haircut that was – like half emo that's what he had in this yeah it was almost like he was on his way to growing out the emo eye patch but the shooting date for this video was like before he really <laughs> had time to grow it all the way yeah that's exactly what it was like. we gotta get this we gotta get this video done the second thing was did you notice the girl's shirt said something something speed shop in tatami pa it was like a location on her shirt and so i looked it up and it's a town that's like a 10-minute drive from Allentown or Easton, PA. How random is that? That's right. It was Breidinger's Speed Shop. Oh, you looked it up too? Yeah, B-R-E-I-D. I did because I saw PA, so I'm like, let's see how the closest is to me. And then I just Googled Tatami PA Speed Shop, and Breidinger's came up. It's permanently closed, but mm. um, still an odd uh, Lehigh Valley reference from... From this video which is kind of interesting it's strange since they're from florida right yeah i doubt that was a shirt that wardrobe picked out for her right she probably just was wearing that and they thought it was cool and ironic right and just keep that on we'll use that shirt i think it was probably like a random graphic tee that you would get at like a I don't know, the graphic tee section at PacSun. It was probably just one of those random things. Except it existed. It was real. Yeah, I know, but graphic tees can have, like, weird random locations on them. Of actual establishments? Yeah. <laughs> to Tammy PA, dude. Yeah, but not Breitinger Speed Shop. Maybe, like, the Grand Canyon. I don't know. 
What? We'll call up Chris Crab after this. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I also don't think speed shops really sell merch, so that actually could be true. What is a speed shop? Is that a car thing? Yeah, just like an auto garage. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a drug den. <laughs> <laughs> we'll change your oil. We'll come into the speed shop. I think it's time for another plug. Okay. <laughs> Getting older? Going from sad Tumblr kid to depressed Twitter adult? Finding Blink-182's line, I guess this is growing up constantly in your head as the world around you seems bleaker and bleaker every day? Subscribe to the Pop Punk Project's Patreon. Their over-the-top antics, constant flubs, and non-stop giggling are sure to make you LOL, or at the very least, E-S-O-O-Y-N. Exhale sharply out of your nose. Show everyone that the kids are alright, and subscribe to the Pop Punk Project's Patreon today. Wow, now that's a sensible plug. <laughs> Why did we never think to do something that well thought out, Mike? Yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, thanks, Tommy, for that nice plug there. I, I guess uh, we had to pay you now. So Yeah, every <laughs> yeah. time you guys run that, Whoa. you have to pay me. <laughs> yeah. We probably owe you money back anyway. We're just keeping the money moving. Yeah. <laughs> Track number three, As Lovers Go. This one was cool. It was written like a conversation. It reminded me a lot of the starting line song, Hello Houston, when he was having that conversation with Karina. Do you remember that? Mm, I do remember that, Keenan. I think we referenced that last week too, right? <laughs> we definitely talked about the starting line last week. I don't know if we talked about this song specifically. Tommy, tell us about this song. Uh, well, I thought it was interesting that it was in the movie Shrek. Well, not in the movie, but on the soundtrack to Shrek. Whoa. Was it really? Yeah. That's amazing. How I had no I idea. Miss that? Yeah. <laughs> weird track to pick from this album uh, to put on the soundtrack. Very but, weird. <laughs> you know, I guess it makes sense in the thinking about the romance between Fiona and Shrek, you know, the ogres. It just makes sense. You know, she's like, it's not going to happen, guy. And he says, yeah, it is. She says, I'm not like that. He's like, well, maybe you are. And then that's the song. Now, Tommy, is he trying to convince the girl to be with him, or is he trying to convince the girl to sleep with him? It's a metaphor, probably. <laughs> In either case, he seems very eager. Very eager. Uh, and he also seems a little bit crazy, or maybe unhinged. He even says that he's asylum-bound, quote-unquote. Yeah, I did think that the asylum-slash-sanity imagery was pretty funny. Like, he was trying to say that he's going to go crazy without her. So, I don't know. That's just the effect that love can have on a man. Yeah, I think that, you know, I believe this guy who says that he thought he was asylum bound. So, but it's a perfect pairing. So, she should leave with him tonight. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no way that that could be uh, a bad thing. 
whether he's asylum bound or not, I think the overall idea I can get behind about sometimes in love and in relationships, we tend to overthink or overcomplicate things. And he's urging her to just see what happens. Obviously, you know, that's easy to say if it's a nice, happy thing that ends up happening. We don't want this asylum bound, uh, crazy Yahoo to, to do any harm. But I'm guilty of doing that sometimes. I overthink things and hesitate when I should just go for it and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, Mike, you need to be a little more carefree there, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. This song had a little bit of uh, Me Too flavor to it. So I, I don't know. <laughs> Made me a little uncomfortable to like listening to it wasn't bad. But reading the lyrics, I was like, hmm, mm. not so sure about this one. Yeah, I thought the same yeah. thing. I was thinking, no means no, guy. Yeah, come on, guy. The first part of the album's title is in this song. We see a mark. He says, what do you take me for? Some kind of easy mark. And have I ever gone into what a mark is, Keenan, in terms of wrestling? Um, on this podcast or? In general. I feel no. like I talk about it a lot. You talk about wrestling a lot, but I don't think you've talked about what a mark means. So an easy mark is actually an old carnival term. If a bunch of carnies were working together, say at a state fair or something... They would take a piece of chalk and mark the jacket of a guy that was like a real sucker so that the other carnies knew that they could take this guy's money. I think you actually have talked about this before. Yeah. So a mark in wrestling is somebody that falls for all the corny, obviously fake stuff and doesn't kind of like a a guy that thinks wrestling's real, essentially. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks, Mike. I'm pretty sure it just means like a target. But yeah, in the wrestling world, that is also what it means. No, what do you take me for? Some kind of easy mark. I think it means a fool. Are you saying that wrestling isn't real? Oh, Whoa. no, Tommy. <laughs> Whoa. Let's not throw around accusations yeah. here, boys. I didn't want you to find out like this. <laughs> yeah, you could be right. It probably is just a mark like a... Like how a normal person would think that word was. But when I saw it, I'm like, it's got to be carny language, wrestling terms. I think one leads to the other. I think she's saying I'm not just some mark that you can you can pick out of a crowd and say, like, oh, this is the one I'm going for and I'm going to get it. Um, mm, yeah. I think, you know, the word you guys are saying the same thing. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that back around, Tommy. I'm glad we have you on. Also, is carny offensive? If carny is offensive, then... uh. I apologize. We'll just beep it out. Um, well, Mike, it's actually cool that you mentioned that. I also picked up on that, and I was thinking, I wonder if every part of the title is going to be captured in this album. And I think it is. A mark, a mission, a brand, a scar. I think we see all those things throughout this album. It, it'll probably come up again, but... Well, I hope it does now that you've pointed it out. We'll see. Otherwise, those words don't make any sense together. <laughs> And before we move on, this was my favorite song. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is a great <laughs> song, Tommy. Great favorite. Yeah, I love this one, Tommy. This one was good, Tommy. This song that we just heard. I think it was a good pick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you let me talk about carny language before letting us know this was your favorite song. <laughs> uh, okay. Track number four, Carry This Picture. Down to the edge of the water where we'll spill our guts and we'll name our fears I'll give you this picture keep it in don't be scared you color the coast with your smile it's the most 
This song was written in the Soho Grand Hotel in New York City. <laughs> I bet the fellow guests loved that. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right, people? Great one, Keenan. I wonder if he got any noise complaints. They were probably less concerned about carrying this picture and more worried about Chris Caraba carrying a tune, Keenan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike, that's so good. Uh, you're so right. You're so right. Now, Tommy, what is this song about? Well, it sounds uh, super romantic. Drinking by the water with someone, throwing up with them, normal romance stuff. <laughs> you know how love goes. We've all been there. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, give them a, a souvenir, a picture to remember you by. <laughs> I, th <laughs> You know, all the normal things that guys do when they're uh, falling in love, hanging out with girls for the first time, just taking a picture out of the wallet. Yeah, here's my headshot. <laughs> for luck for luck i think this is just a song about summer love and tommy you grew up down the shore if anything you know about summer love oh yeah you know me regular romeo romeo of the waves uh, <laughs> something about summer love is just so fleeting because at the end of the summer it's gone that's right. What's your most romantic Jersey Shore story, Tommy? The most romantic things you can do down the shore are you know, probably mini golf or the local arcade. Mm. Little Coors Brother ice cream. There's not a whole lot to do in Cape May, New Jersey. Those are some nice, innocent date ideas there, Tommy. Yeah, I think Chris Caraba had something a little more um, lustful in mind. I don't know. I think he probably wanted to give her some smooches on the beach, but... I don't know. I did like this song a lot. This is a feel-good song. Yeah, he's trying to get her drunk, Keenan. And um, <laughs> is he? I don't know. Does he say that <laughs> in so many words? I feel like you're just. He says we'll share. Inserting a, your own opinion here. We'll share a bottle there. Which mm. will they split it half and half? I don't know. <laughs> I think they're drinking cola. <laughs> oh, that's probably what it is. Yeah, I don't think so though, because he talks about and down to the edge of the water where we'll spill our guts. I thought, so Tommy, you think that they're vomiting on each other. I'm pretty sure that he's just talking about like talking into the night, like telling each other their deepest, darkest secrets. I think it's much more visceral than that. Even though the next line so? says, we'll name our fears. <laughs> I still think, you know, they're sharing a bottle. Okay. You could be right. Hopefully neither one of their fears is uh, vomiting because <laughs> they'll be doing that for so long. <laughs> yeah. They're in trouble. I do think... Um, it was it was a nice part of the song where he he seems fixated on the smile of his partner and how it gives him faith and that seems super charming. Yeah, you're totally right. Have you guys seen a smile that gives you faith? <laughs> I'm looking at one right now. Both of these smiles give me faith. I think the the blessed mother probably. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I just want to mention the first track says breathe in for luck. This one says carry this picture for luck. So it sounds like this Chris Caraba is a very superstitious cat. Yeah, you won't catch him walking under any ladders. No. <laughs> Just vomiting into the ocean. <laughs> this, this episode is going way off the rails. That's good. 
Track number five, Bend and Not Break. Oh, another feel-good, happy song, right, Tommy? <laughs> I think you're wrong there, Keenan. It seems like he's criticizing people who are careful in love, who are putting on airs to try to be perfect for someone, to not disturb them in any way. But in reality, that's false, and it's just not honest. So he's criticizing people for trying to be perfectionists in relationships. Is that what you're saying? I think it's more about like not showing when you're bending and breaking, when you're being hurt mm. or when something's going wrong and just immediately trying to show that you're fine. Like people who can't be vulnerable in relationships. Mm-hmm. And who try mm. to do everything they can to not misstep. I thought the same thing. I thought this was about relationship anxiety, overthinking things to the point of then messing them up. It's like self-sabotage. Because you're right. He is trying to be really careful. I get this picture of these two people kind of cuddling in bed and he's just, he's trying not to disturb his partner by breathing too heavily. Like, that's so crazy, but everybody's been in those situations where you just overthink, 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 and then it just affects you so negatively. It's very relatable. We've all been in bed with women, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're, uh, if you're doing some deep reading, uh, it sounds like breathe in for luck and hands down. But in this song, he's very talented at breathing, especially exhaling. So it sounds like there's a little bit of bad luck on this song. Wow. That's true. Nicely done, Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) How about this line? I can fail before I even try. (laughs) Wow. If that's not anxiety, guys, then I don't know what is. Well, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's the same theme of just being so afraid to fail that you don't even try. I don't know. He says sometimes your best option is just keep your mouth shut and don't mess it up and just enjoy the fact that this girl's in bed with you. Like, don't overthink it. Just it happened. Like, be thankful. That's such an unhealthy way to look at it, though, isn't it? Like, you're so worried about messing it up that you're like, okay, I'm just going to continue to overthink this thing. It's an unhealthy way to look at it, but I think he's getting to a better way of looking at it. He's trying to realize in the moment that Things aren't as bad as he's projecting them to be in his head. And so he doesn't want to just let her know how psychotic his inner thoughts are. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That does sound healthy, Mike. You're so right. (laughs) Bury your true self deep down inside of you. You know when you don't tell people things? (laughs) Yeah, that's all I do. Do you two feel like there are people in your lives that you have to walk on eggshells around and don't let yourself be vulnerable or real near them? Definitely. I'm looking at two of them right now. Probably <laughs> <laughs> the blessed mother. <laughs> yeah. These two beautiful guys with beautiful smiles that I can't be real around. I mean, no, to answer your question legitimately to your Tommy, yeah, I think there's probably a lot of people. I feel like it's actually more rare to be fully open and honest with somebody. 
Because you have to be totally comfortable around somebody and that's hard to build up to. I think a lot of it boils down to like, who do you use small talk with and who do you actually have conversations with? And it doesn't have to be these deep, dark conversations, but I'm thinking like coworkers. Do you actually talk to them about your life? Are they actually more of a friend? Or is it like, oh, it rained a lot yesterday, huh? (laughs) And that's the kind of thing where it's like, I'm not even going to begin to explain my life to you because I don't have the time. Yeah. And parents. Yeah, parents just don't get it. They don't understand. Mike, I agree. I also feel like, especially around coworkers, there's a, a certain comfort level that you just can't reach. Yeah, you definitely can't say everything you're thinking all the time. And it's exhausting. <laughs> Tommy, isn't your older brother your coworker? You certainly can't be open around him, right? No, not at all. Never. Or he'll give you noogies. Noogies, swirlies, and There you go. Just bleep it out. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, there's going to be a lot of bleeping this episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dune is now playing. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like how, Dune today. I like how uh, the people giving you money... Is Dune and us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I have more. <laughs> Track number six, Ghost of a Good Thing. Is this one about ghouls? <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe. <laughs> Let's find out. Have a listen right now. Go. But I believe in you so much. I could die for the words that you say. This one is very reminiscent of old Dashboard. It's all acoustic, or at least mostly acoustic, and it does feel like those earlier songs, doesn't it, Tommy? Yep. I actually did a little bit of digging into this one because I thought it was interesting as to why it sounded different. It sounded much more stripped down, less production, uh, and it's actually a demo. And he recorded it in his brother's condo uh, in Florida, and... It's one of those old solo ones and um, recorded on an eight track recorder. You guys know if you're in the business, you know what an eight track recorder is. I am not in the business, so I don't know what that is. <laughs> I know it's very old timey technology. <laughs> and so he, he came with all these demos to the band when they were recording and they recorded them all over again, full band and these new arrangements and versions. And this one, they just couldn't match the performance of that original demo so at the end they were just like dude just put this one on and he did that's great that's so interesting so did he record all of these songs acoustic originally and then basically try to build it out using the full band i'm not sure if he recorded all of them but i know he came to the studio to record the full band with a handful of demos at least already prepared so there's the bones to work with. I did like the sound of this one. It did remind me of old dashboard. I don't know a lot of old dashboard, but I've heard some of the more acoustic songs that Chris Caraba made previously. And 
it felt like those and it was really good. I loved the harmonies. There was really strong emotion behind it. I think there's just something that stood out about this one. It wasn't my favorite, but it was a close number two for me. Mm, Keenan, you know whose favorite it was? Was it your dad's favorite? No, it was my favorite. Oh, this is your favorite. Yeah, it actually is my favorite. And um, the way I gauge Abby's interest is just playing things in the car. And she loves this song. So it wasn't a single. So I'm like, oh, how do you know this one? She's like, oh, I I always have liked this one. So I'm going to wager it might be her favorite as well. Are you just saying it's your favorite to appease her? Trying to win some brownie points? No, I don't. Are you trying to bend and not break? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She literally asked me the other day about a large portion of... She asked me what we discussed on the My Chemical Romance episode, and I said, you know, why don't you just listen to it? It's like an hour and a half. She's like, I don't have time. And I'm like, well, you listen to other podcasts, don't you? She's like, no, not really. I usually just drive in silence. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> None of this is to appease her. That's why I that's why I talk so much S. But I really appreciated Tommy's backstory because it makes a lot of sense. Like I said, I loved old dashboard. I love the raw stripped down dashboard and here we have my favorite song uh a demo track essentially so pretty cool mike this is your favorite song what is this song about well it's another relationship song keenan but it's one that's kind of run its course and you're remembering the good times and trying to get them back again trying to chase them down when in actuality things are just ending right in front of you and you're not coming to terms with it so this is a bad relationship now but i would argue it wasn't always bad Mm, okay yeah i think it's trying to force something to work and try to recapture some of the old magic of something back when it had been good but it's not what it used to be anymore and it's a ghost of that and so you're chasing something that's not real anymore and while that's happening, you're letting something else that is real, you're letting it pass by. Very powerful. That's certainly right, Tommy. And I think Chris really does a good job explaining that in my tattoo line this week. It's in this song? That's right, yeah. Oh, man. Can't wait to hear it. It was so hard because there are so many good lines on this album. That's the thing. Any one of these lyrics could be a tattoo line. So you really had to take your time and pick one. I did. And I just kept coming back to this, my favorite song on the album, and it's a line that always stood out to me. It's one of the lines that Chris screams in between the slow verses. It's just bend the pieces till they fit like they were made for it. And I always like the imagery of like a beautiful puzzle with the pretty picture on the box and you are just frustrated trying to force the pieces together and they're just not fitting the way they're meant to. Mm. And um. It's so frustrating. You know, sometimes life isn't as promised or as planned, Keenan. Now, where do you want to get this puzzle tattooed on your body? Well, I assume you're going to put it in a puzzle. That makes the most sense. Yes, I'm going to put the line in a puzzle piece. So at first people will think that I'm like, uh, you know, autism awareness and that whole deal. But then as they get closer, they'll see it's actually just a dashboard <laughs> You want to roll with that whole deal? Are you are you good with that? I don't think it's I don't think it's mean. It's not mean spirited. All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So 
instead of being supportive of autism awareness, you're just going to roll with the dashboard reference. Supporting okay. dashboard confession. Well, I guess yeah. it could double as both. I can, I, I'm not saying I'm having one and not the other, but um, people will be misled. Yeah, I'm definitely going to play up the puzzle imagery here, Keenan. Thinking like a jigsaw puzzle piece with maybe the lyrics either inside or around the outside, or maybe even the lyrics in a jumbled mess the way that the jigsaw puzzle pieces would be trying to cram them together. I like that. That would have the most meaning for sure. That would be very powerful. Yeah, it definitely would be powerful, Keenan. Yeah, it'd be really powerful, Mike. That'd be uh, powerful. <laughs> Track number seven, Am I Missing? Put Chris Caraba's face on a milk carton, Keenan. Is he missing? Did anybody look that up? We should make sure he's okay. This song was wild. Am I right, guys? Bonkers, Keenan. Now, guys, I have a question for you. Did you think this song was literally about a horrible accident? Or did you think that it was possibly a metaphor for, I don't know, the end of a relationship? Let's weigh in, boys. I think probably more towards the second one. Okay. I guess maybe pulling some inspiration from both of those things. But at the end of the day, I don't think that, like... Uh, Chris Carava's body is missing and they're, he's wondering if it's been found or not. Now, doesn't necessarily have to be about him, Mike. Yeah, I thought that maybe it was about someone who always sets themselves up for disaster. You can warn them as much as you can, uh, but at the same time, you sort of need to prepare yourself for when the, the fallout happens. So it's about somebody who is prone to personal tragedy mm -hmm. and they cause it themselves. That's what I thought. Okay. That's interesting. So when I first listened to it, I thought just by reading the lyrics and listening to the, the music, I thought it was about an actual tragedy. And then I was like, oh, that's too base level for somebody like Chris Caraba. But I actually did read that his cousin, Justin, died in a car accident a few years before this. And he has an earlier song that was on a 2001 EP called For Justin. And apparently there's a chance that if he's ever talking about tragedy or accidents, in particular, maybe, you know, car accidents, things of that nature, it could be about his cousin. And then weirdly, his sister was involved in a really serious car accident in the year 2008, and she was in a coma for a little while. So I don't know. Obviously, this song wasn't about that instance, but it could be about his cousin. It's interesting. He has a lot of roadside tragedies. He himself was in a motorcycle accident last year. Broke both of his arms, I think. That's right. I heard that. Yeah, it's crazy. So, I don't know. It's weird. There's some weird connections to his real life, if this is about a person who is prone for emotional, personal tragedies. 
can I give one more possible description for this? Please. From a more emo perspective? Absolutely. So I didn't see personal tragedy. I kind of always took it as this is what like emo kids think like when you're a teenager and nothing's going right. These questions in the chorus, like, is there anything worth looking for, worth loving for, worth lying for, uh, worth living for, dying for, etc. And so I'm thinking the titles, Am I Missing? And maybe Chris is imagining life without him in it. Like, is he gone? And will the people in his life even care or realize that he's missing or look for his body, etc. So I thought that was like, you know, you have those over-the-top thoughts during your adolescence. It's like, it's a wonderful life. Like, nobody even needs me. During our adolescence, Mike, I have this thought weekly. I think it's one of the most interesting songs on the album because it wasn't as straightforward as some of the other ones. I agree. This one could have had multiple meanings, but I thought it was cool because you really had to think about it. You really had to figure out what he was trying to say. And yeah, this could be one that whatever you most relate to in your own life is probably what you were hearing, which is kind of cool. I don't know if you guys have seen Archer on FX, but in a recent season, several seasons, I think, he was in a coma. Watch Archer on FX. (laughs) Another plug. That's not a plug. They're not paying me. It's it's an interest. Before our next song, do you have any more um, sponsors that you want to shout out? Actually, yes. Uh, This one is actually near and dear to me. So here we go. Lonely and alone, scorned by a lover. Feeling misunderstood by all your peers? We get you. We know how you feel. We know your heart. Sometimes when you're driving home from a long, hard day at work, all you want is a good scream along to a dashboard confessional album and a tall glass of Merlot in your cup holder. Let the tears come. Go ahead. This is your dashboard, and it's your confessional. We understand you. We feel it too. It's okay. We promise. Toyota, let's go places. <laughs> the most emo of all the car brands. I love Toyota's new campaign is uh, drinking and driving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it would turn some heads, that's for sure. Why wait till you get home? Track number eight, Morning Calls. What about your alarm clock, Tommy? No, it's not. I don't have an alarm clock. I wake up at the same time on my own every day. Eyes wide open. Wow. Ready to take on the day. So what is it about then? I think this one's about someone who needs to be on all the time for everyone who's watching. It could be role model or a celebrity or a parent, but they, they can't really cope with needing to be on for people. And... They take to medicine or drugs or alcohol to help them be up all the time. 
Do you think that Chris Caraba might have been writing about himself? This was a point in his life when he was probably getting a little bit of fame. He was getting some followership. You think maybe he felt like he had to be on all the time? It'd be interesting because that's something that, yeah, certainly happens as as these people suddenly enter the stratosphere of, of fame and especially for a band like Dashboard Confessional, a lot of teenagers and young kids who are looking up to them and sort of idolizing them. And now we're seeing it in like sort of toxic ways. People are coming out not against Dashboard, but against other bands who, you know, have taken advantage of their young fans and having to, to cope with this new responsibility, especially if like you're a young musician yourself, you're like barely just out of being a kid. It's probably a real struggle. Do you know if Chris Caraba has dealt with any sort of drug addiction or alcoholism or anything like that? Not that I'm aware of. Hmm. I'd be interested to know because I didn't do any digging on that. But I think you're right. It's definitely about having to live up to everybody's high standards of you. And there was definitely references to, I don't know, drugs and alcohol. I thought a lot of this was just about being hungover, like you were self-medicating and then had to take on the day. I think that was maybe sort of the base level interpretation of this. But I think there was this sort of hangover metaphor, like when you're hungover, you're not 100%, you're not at your best. And this person wakes up every day and they feel like they're not their best, even though they feel like they have to be at their best. I don't know. Yeah, this one was, it was kind of tough to listen to, actually, because it made you feel like you yourself weren't functioning at your best listening to it. Now, Tommy, have you ever been hungover? I thought I should ask. No, never. I actually have the superpower where I have never had a hangover in my life. And if you didn't know, everything I just said was a lie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was about to say, if this person is functioning at maybe like 50% because they're hungover, I feel like I've seen you at like 10, maybe lower 5%. Uh, I've hit the single digits before. and uh, Yeah, I've definitely seen you in the single digits. Yeah. Haven't liked it. <laughs> yeah, you didn't look great doing it. But hey, look at you now. You powered through. You're stronger for it. Yeah, I'm just tired all the time. <laughs> 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 we do have a fun little vocab word going on in this one, Keenan. Did you catch anything interesting in this track? I think I might have. Should we cook it up with Susie Cook? <laughs> Let's fire up the burners, Mike. I was interested to see tepid water chase the pills with turpentine and chamomile. Now, I know chamomile alludes to a tea or some concoction to soothe your throat, but what does turpentine do? What is that? That's a really good question. Tommy, do you want to enlighten us? I think it's using paint to thin paint. <laughs> Wait, you say it's using paint to thin paint? It's used in painting to thin the paint. Oh. <laughs> That's what I would oh. do, though. Gotcha. Wait, so is he drinking that chemical? Yeah, it's a volatile, pungent oil distilled from gum turpentine or pine wood. It's used to mix paint and varnishes, and it's toxic to consume. Yikes. So is he trying to kill himself? Maybe. He's talked about this before in, in older songs. Uh, turpentine chaser, drinking, already slowly killing himself, but then chasing it with some turpentine to speed up the process. Maybe he's trying to say, if we're not assuming he's trying to kill himself, maybe he's trying to say something like, this will help him sort of feel something again. I don't want to get too dark, but in the same way that somebody would do self-harm, maybe he's trying to harm himself with poison, with turpentine. Could it be something like that, maybe? Could be. 
<laughs> this is the vocab lesson. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> All right, sorry. Yeah, we're just trying to learn what the word means. It's not getting a little heavy. Sorry. It's self harm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's maybe move on. <laughs> uh, thanks, Susie. We love you. Thanks for that great lesson. So when you drink turpentine, are you trying to kill yourself or just feel anything at all? <laughs> uh, okay. Track number nine. Carve your heart out yourself. Carve your heart out yourself. Hopelessness is yourself. Since you've drawn out these lines, are you protected from trying time? I think this song is about dating an insecure girl who just assumes that she's going to be hurt and therefore she sabotages the relationship. We've talked about a self-sabotage song earlier in the album. I think this is from the perspective of somebody who's dating somebody who's trying to self-sabotage. Yeah, absolutely. And from Chris's perspective, he's like trying to reassure her that he's not like all those other guys that left her. He's going to stay. You know, he's going to give this his best shot. And he wants her to not be distracted by what has happened previously in her relationships. He wants to have her give him a fair shot at this. I agree with everything you both just said. It seems like maybe she has reason to to be insecure. Like she has baggage or something. She's had dreams that have been busted. Uh, she has a lot of regrets now. So she has a hard time trusting. And while she is treating him, the protagonist, poorly without merit, there's could be a happy ending there because he's staying through it he's he's committing to saying hey you know you may not have trust right now but i'm gonna put in the time i'm staying i'm gonna earn that he does come across as very like mature strong individual in this song and it was at this point in the album that i thought could chris caraba be the dreamiest pop punk slash emo singer of all time i know that we've said in the past mike that tyson ritter usually fills that top spot but i don't know chris caraba I feel like the girls go wild for him. Yeah, I think he's definitely way up there. I think Dashboard's fan base as a whole is probably predominantly uh, women, I would say. Is that fair? Has to be, yeah. Like, I always thought of Dashboard as, like, girls love Dashboard. Like, if your girlfriend doesn't like all of the bands you like, odds are she loves Dashboard. So, yeah, yeah, he's pretty, pretty dreamy. We're nine tracks in, and I am definitely starting to swoon for him, so... <laughs> Also, this song has my tattoo line. What? Yeah, I'm getting tatted up. It's rare, but when it hits me, I know I need it. I love that. My favorite line from the album, my favorite lines. Man, it takes a silly girl to lie about the dreams she has. But Lord, it takes a lonely one to wish that she had never dreamt at all. Man. He's saying it's better to date someone who's overly imaginative than somebody who's completely spiritless. Or... Another way of saying that is better to date an optimist than a pessimist, which I think is obviously <laughs> the case. And it's a cool way to say that. I'm getting that on my body. 
Where on your body? Um, belly button. <laughs> That's so long for your belly button. <laughs> In my belly button. <laughs> you have so much available real estate. <laughs> yeah, but this one belongs in my belly button. Can you imagine getting a tattoo like around your belly button? No, it probably hurts so bad. Yeah, your stomach tats hurt the most. Yeah, but I'm a man, so I can take it. Yeah, <laughs> can you? <laughs> As the guy that usually does a tattoo line, I'll sign off on this one. He has a beautiful way with words, and that is a great highlight on this album. Speaking of tattoos, uh, our next sponsor. Here we go. <laughs> oh, here we go. A mark, a mission, a brand, a scar. Come on down to Tommy's Tattoos. We specialize in giving tattoos of the number two on the twos. So if you get here at 102, 112, 122... 132, 142, hell, even 152. We'll give you a two or two. Come on down to Tommy's Tattoos on the twos for a two or two. Giving you a mark is our mission. And if I'm giving you a real dashboard confessional, our brand will probably give you a scar. Tommy's (laughs) Tattoos. Hands down, you'll be so beautiful. Located at the Philadelphia Industrial Corrections Facility, cell block E. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This next song's about Tommy. Track number 10, So Beautiful. Oh. <laughs> He's got a face only a mother could love. Your mother. <laughs> oh. 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 No! <laughs> Damn it. Walked right into that one. <laughs> That's fine. We're going to edit that out. Mike, don't edit that out. Mom. You've got a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> we'll talk this weekend. I'm sorry, Mrs. Clark. I heard that you were living well, but you don't look like you're living to me. Though the sparkle is gone, your smile is in place, so that everyone watching you see. You've got the whole convinced, but I know so well that you could list your you can count on them Hold it now you got everyone convinced That you're alright No one else is quite as vulnerable As soon as you got it You want something else It's not the sale that you love It's the sell It's not the price That's gonna cost you It's just the weight That's gonna bring you down Down Down, down Tommy, what did you think of this song? I thought it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good endorsement. <laughs> I saw it as a, sort of a, a message about someone who on the outside looks put together. Um, and they work hard to to get what they think they want. But in reality, they're just unsatisfied with what they have because they're unhappy on a, on a basic level. And they, it seems like a portrait of insecurity to me. Ooh, yeah, that's good. I got the feeling that it was potentially about two people who knew each other at one point in time. Either they were friends or they were dating and they went their separate ways, but then they're reunited and you realized how much that person has changed. And I think it could have been because of all those things, Tommy. I saw it kind of as speaking to a friend as well. Like this person that you really know better than most people and I don't know why, but I, I saw it as a girl. Like, this girl's this vision of perfection, and everybody thinks very highly of her. But we see Chris is actually able to discern that there's something under the surface that 
um, is troubling her. She, you know, she's going down a, a dark road and he wants to try to help her realize that before she gets too far because it seems like nobody else really notices. They just see the surface level stuff of her being pretty or popular. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like Chris Caraba is like the total opposite of this superficial person that you guys were alluding to. And that's why maybe he's at odds with this person because he just doesn't see the world the same way that they do. I feel like there's sort of a, a sequel track that pairs with it in a later album by them, uh, The Shade of Poison Trees from 2007, I think. It's called A Matter of Blood and Connection. He sort of calls out this person for posturing and putting on uh, a different face and, and pretending they're not who they are. In that case, like someone who went to prep school and tries to show themselves as, as not that while they're drawing well from their trust fund and, and things like that. Um, it seemed like these two songs sort of paired. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's really funny that this song is called So Beautiful. Like before you listen to it, you just think it's going to be a song about him being in love with a girl and him talking about how perfect she is. And then you realize that it's him saying that this person thinks they're so beautiful. Like they're obsessed with themselves and they have this really high perspective of themselves. I thought that was probably the coolest part of the song. This song is also this week's doppelganger. Whoa. Yeah, wait till you hear this one. Wait till you hear this reach. <laughs> I can't wait. Late in the song, when he starts singing about downtown, what does that remind you of, boys? I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Petulia? Petula? Petula Clark. Petula? I'm just going to say Miss Clark. <laughs> P. Clark. Does this remind you of that famous old-ass song, Downtown, by our good friend Miss Clark? You know the one. Downtown, that one. Let's just listen to Dashboard Song real quick. And then here's that old Downtown song, guys. The lights are much brighter there. You can't forget all your troubles, forget all your cares, so go Am I right? <laughs> Miss Clark, what was her full name? What was the artist's name? It was Petula. <laughs> Track number 11, Hey Girl. This one, he's just a sad sap. You know, he <laughs> wants to impress a girl. Uh, her friends think he's crazy. 
But uh, but one day he hopes she'll be feeling hurt or sad and she'll need some love and he'll swoop in and be the one to give it to her. It's just sad, sad. This song's about pursuing a girl who is out of your league or who you perceive is out of your league. You're just thinking that you're not good enough for this girl, but you're saying, hey, I'm going to give it a shot anyway. It actually reminds me of you guys a little bit. This song should just be renamed Tommy and Michael because <laughs> you both shot way out of your leagues, boys. I think that's a fair assessment, Keenan. I'm not sure if everything aligns exactly like this song. He pretty much says everybody has a bottom and they bottom out sometime. And when you bottom out, I'll be there. Yeah. I'll be there waiting for you. <laughs> that's you, Mike. Abby bottomed out. She said, oh, well, okay. I don't know. I think maybe at least at the time I was, she didn't know what I would become. Now, nowadays, yeah. She's like, oh, shit. I messed up. <laughs> yeah. Same with you, Tommy. Yeah, I know. I um, I don't have a lot going for me, which is why, you know, I dive right into that emo music. So I feel sorry for myself all the time. The reason why we get with these great girls is because we need them to bring our status up. Yeah, That's true. You know, their friends don't think anything of us, so we need to tie our, our anchor to their <laughs> all. It's evolutionary instinct, you know? We just need to find someone so great to sort of balance out the... Uh... Whoa. I had a question for, I guess, anybody that's had more than one girlfriend. <laughs> do you compare, like, do you rank people? Like, in this one, it's kind of like, oh, this is my bottom. I better get better with my next... With my next boyfriend. All right. Here we go, boys. Let's start ranking. I guess the question is, do you know when you've reached a low point in terms of, like, you wake up one day, you're like, oh, no, this is my low point. Oh, my God. You really want me to be this shallow on the podcast? <laughs> uh, let me tell you, Mike. I I could tell you about a couple low points, that's for sure. Well, I'm Abby's high point and her low point. I'm ever, you know. Yeah, that's true. I could also tell you about some of Keenan's low points. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> that goes both ways there, Tommy. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I guess after the fact, you can look back on relationships and be like, oh, that probably wasn't the best years of my life. I think that's probably safe to say. I don't think I'm like actively ranking these girls as I'm dating them. I don't think that's a thing. But I think it's probably hard not to compare people that you've dated. I think you always are subconsciously doing that. But do you know who the who, who <laughs> do you say who the, is? Who the worst was? Yeah. Uh, let me think about it, actually. Oof. I've had some real winners there, Mike. <laughs> We've established they don't last longer than nine months. So. <laughs> yeah, ten months, yeah. <laughs> ten months. Get it right, dude. It's ten months. Sorry. I'm not some sap that ends it in nine months. The worst one in all of Keenan's relationships was Keenan. Whoa. Oh. Dude. Makes you think. Feels like an episode of a Twilight Zone all of a sudden. Okay, if I had to say, Mike, it was probably my bottom. Oh my god, why did you oh. just say this? Jeez. Okay, do you want me to take that out? Yeah, we'll bleep that out. That's the one that uh, dumped you and then right? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna plead the Oh my god, Keenan. I do remember. That's uh. That is a low point. Woo boy. Yeah. Are you going to tag her in the Instagram post when you... Oh, we should. <laughs> yeah, we'll post her picture for everybody <laughs> yeah. to see. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say about this shit or what? This girl, she sounds, you know, really great. She's got a smart way, a fine laugh, he describes, a short fuse. Ooh. Ooh. And cruel intentions. And all of that just sounds, you know, 
Right up my alley. That has the makings for a perfect gal. Mm. <laughs> make sure you leave the mm in. Mm. If we could actually make that max volume, Mike, that would be perfect. <laughs> Track number 12. All right, last last uh, plug. It's the okay, last one. Okay, yeah, here we go. All right. Okay. Uh, oh, God. What are you about to do? Oh, did the emo dork get dumped? Little emo baby sang, get left for someone bigger, cooler, more muscular than you. And you think there's nothing you can do about it, right? Wrong! Muscle Milk is here for you. Chuck a couple of these puppies, do a push-up, and those girls will be screaming infidelities to get back on that lap. Oh muscle God. Milk. Build muscle like a mother. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was the last one. I love it. <laughs> that one was aggressive and I like it. That's actually their slogan from 2001. Track number 12. If you can't leave it be, might as well make it bleed. <laughs> Guys, this is clearly about scratching a bug bite, right? <laughs> 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 Has to be. Wow. Yeah. But really, Tommy, what's this one about? There's a lot of body horror imagery, and uh, it seems like a, a staple of emo music. This one, I was kind of at a loss. I looked at a lot of song meaning websites, and uh, some of the consensus from the sites that had boards in 2003, 2004, were this was about self-harm and cutting, hmm. which unfortunately is... It's tied pretty deeply to the scene and depression, self-harm, whether it's metaphorical or literal, talks about a lot of uh, deep personal anguish. And I think it's uh, this is probably the darkest track on the album. Oh, yeah. I thought this was like a My Chemical Romance light song. This is like a very light version of what they would maybe talk about. I think the literal interpretation can be self-harm. I was hoping it was more a metaphor for the end of a relationship. Like I thought maybe they were describing a breakup like a medical procedure, how the people that come out of it on the other end are not whole. They just went through this horrible traumatic situation and they need to basically be pieced back together. They need to be sewn back together like you would at the end of a medical procedure. I was hoping it was just maybe that, but it was hard to ignore the pretty obvious mentions of cutting mm -hmm. hurting yourself things like that all the serious stuff aside for a second please that line you're the subject of this exhibition a willing cadaver a willing cadaver it reminded me of you know how people are able to leave their body to science uh becoming a willing cadaver to help advance you know society and all that stuff do you remember the body exhibit at the franklin institute that we went to our freshman year body world oh yeah it was very sexy yeah it was just all these it was real bodies and we were looking at them and uh i was a pretty uh, like light-headed kid with that kind of stuff 
And I just remember walking through there and I had to tell myself that it wasn't real. They actually were real cadavers just uh, hung up on display for us to look at. So the main thing I took away from it was that smoking is really bad for your lungs. Oh, yeah. Because there was just a dude there that smoked for most of his life and his lungs were black. Yeah, they were pretty much destroyed. And they it wasn't like an anti-smoking ad. It was like his real lungs. So that was like, holy crap. I would come to find out later on, though, it was actually really cool. So I don't really care what my lungs look like as long as I look cool on the outside. Gotta be cool. <laughs> and boy, did you. So is this song just about Body World at Franklin Institute or what? I hope. I mean, that's my experience. I have no uh, experience with all of the darker descriptions that this could be alluding to. So I'm just going to stick to the light fun exhibit where you look at dead bodies that gave themselves to science. I uh, I want to do a quick deep dive into one of these lyrics, if you guys don't mind. Let's hear it. There's a, a line in here, call off the quarantine. Oh, um, I was a little triggered when I when I heard that part. Yeah, yeah. that was a tough like, one. Okay, Chris, uh, despite all of your scalpeling and suturing, I'll wait for a doctor. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, come on. Also, way too soon, Chris. Like, come on, dude. We're barely out of COVID. Yeah. How dare he? One other thing that I kind of got out of it, Keenan, was I thought this might be the end of a relationship, like you were saying. And the title of the song is just saying that if this relationship's going to end, you might as well go out with a bang and just completely rip this person apart and destroy them on the way out of this relationship. He says over and over again, no one is waiting for you. No one is waiting for you. So that made me think that maybe he's like telling his ex, I'm as good as you're going to get. Nobody's out there waiting for you. Like nothing better is out there for you. When you're in those blowout fights, like you just say anything you can think of to try to hurt the other person. Yeah. He's clearly burning it to the ground. She probably hurt him previously, which is why he's probably reacting this way. That makes the most sense to me. Right. And he figures he's not just going to let it go. Like we're not just going to leave it be. Let's just blow it all up track number 13 several ways to die trying Guess what, guys? This song is my favorite song on the album. Really? Yeah. Has it always been? Or this is a newfound love this week? Mike, this is the first time I heard this song. Love it, though. That's awesome. Yeah, it was good. It was really close. I mentioned that there was a close second earlier. Obviously, I love Hands Down. But this one, there's something about it. It was the longest song on the album, I'm pretty sure. But it just had like a good build to it. It had good emotion behind it. Musically, it was just there for me. It was good. And I think thematically, it's his critique of Hollywood. I think this one is definitely off-brand. I don't think this one's about a relationship. I think he decided to end the album talking about maybe things that he was experiencing around him in society. 
Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, it sounds a lot like, you know, going to California to get found, get noticed, make it big, um, you know, and, and once they get there, uh, they get trapped. You know, the, the roads they, they took there are, are burned and uh, and then they're being killed and buried in their coffins, uh, ignored, put down, but they're they're still going for it. They're dying to live even to the very last line of the song. So it's hopeful. They're going to make it. I think this band might, these kids might make it big one day. To be determined. I mean, the jury's still out on that. But it is crazy to think about. It makes you think all the artists out there trying to make it. There are probably singers out there just like Chris Caraba that just didn't have the same amount of luck that he did. Like, it's probably so hit or miss out there. And I think that's what he's speaking to is all these really talented artists whose voices are stifled because they just don't find that break. But they're probably equally as talented. I don't know. It is a crazy thing. And we hear it so much. There's so many critiques of Hollywood and how it's this really shallow, superficial town. And even more so these days after all the Me Too stuff. It's crazy how people just have such big opinions about that scene. There's this idea that these people are real individuals. They're not just these cogs in the machine to be used and discarded at random. But those lines, we are intriguing, we are desirable. It's like there's more to us than just fitting this audition, like fitting this um, this mold that is needed to portray this part or fill this role. So I think the reason that I like this song so much, too, is because it relates to us, Mike. We're just trying to make it in Hollywood, you know? We're going to catch our break. Well, I think we might have caught our break this episode with all of our great new advertisers on the program. That's true. So that's, that's true. a huge start, at least. Yeah. When you get a celebrity like Tommy Lindemann on the podcast, things just happen. Doors open for you. And Tommy's tattoos. <laughs> yeah. Tommy's tattoos on the twos. <laughs> That's right. So I think there's one thing if you guys really want to be successful that you need to remember to do. And Dashboard does this very well. A lot of people don't know that you need to do this, but if you're trying to make it, you just need to breathe in for luck. That's true. Damn. <sighs> I feel better already. <sighs> me too. Hashtag me too. <laughs> kind of. What a great album, Keenan. Looking back on it, this one kind of marks the transition from Chris Caraba to Dashboard Confessional. With the release of this, he saw that he could go from a solo acoustic act, record with a full band, electrify himself, and be hugely successful. 
And in the future, we saw him return to those acoustic roots a couple times, but really he opened up the possibility of being able to record however he wanted. So whether that was stripped down acoustic or full band electric that you can rock out to with your friends like Tommy does on Rock Band, this album really opened a lot of doors for Chris and the group as a whole. Yeah, you're totally right, Mike. This was a big album for them. The themes were also very interesting. Some we've seen before, but a lot, I think, were written in ways that we just haven't really experienced in the past. I'm actually convinced, this is kind of a hot take, but I'm convinced that this album could have been a concept album, but with the songs out of order. Like, this could have told a story of a blossoming relationship, the hardships, him overcoming it, maybe breaking up with somebody, finding a new love, and then growing old with this person that he loves. I don't know. I didn't really have the time to move songs around to see if that was the case, but I'm convinced that this could be a story album. I also thought the album title was cool. I alluded to it earlier, but I think this album title references his own process, his own internal process when it comes to relationships. There's a mark. There's a person that he's interested in. There's a mission. There's a way to win that person over. Then there's a brand. That person is an indelible mark on him for the rest of his life. And then in some situations, they become a scar. And that's usually when a relationship ends poorly. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of meaning behind this album, which makes it what it is today. I think this album is is quintessential Dashboard Confessional. And I think while it has its ups and downs and subject matter, uh, it's super refreshing in this genre to have songs that can be really happy and joyful and hopeful. You don't see that a lot. Most of the genre can be really angsty and downers. And it was really the beginning of a sharp upward trajectory for the band. And only a few months later, they were on the soundtrack to the biggest superhero movie of the early 2000s, Spider-Man 2. And I think it's, uh, this was just the beginning. Tommy, I'm so happy you joined us for that journey. I know you love these guys. I knew this was going to be the perfect album to discuss with you. And boy, did you bring quite the perspective to those songs. Also, thanks for bringing all those great sponsors, Tommy. This is huge for us. This is such an important part of our history. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. But all the fans out there, check me Instagram.com forward slash minifig underscore big world. M-I-N-I-F-I-G underscore B-I-G-W-O-R-L-D for some good content. And thank you, Mike. Thank you, Keenan, so much for having me. This was a blast. That's right. If you guys have a Lego fetish, check out that Instagram because, boy, is there some sexy Lego content on there. Thanks, Tommy. (laughs) 
On next week's episode, we will be discussing Weezer's The Blue Album. Now, Mike, is that your favorite Weezer album? Short answer, no, Keenan, but I think we can get into that next week. All right. Well, we'll just power through. I know we both hate it, but we'll power through. No, I love it. I just, you know, it's not. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks for being honest. Sure. I also wanted to take a moment to thank Tommy and congratulate him once again for finding true love with his fiance Lauren and wish them well as they embark towards forever together. So congratulations, Tommy. Thanks for being on the show. For those of you that need a refresher on what Tommy looks like, he's the guy who him and all of his brothers resemble Andrew McMahon. So <laughs> That's right. They were the Andrew McMahon uh, physical doppelganger. I forgot about that. That's right. So take a look at our Something Corporate Instagram post if you really want to get a good idea of where that beautiful voice is coming from. While you're on Instagram, our Instagram, looking at Tommy's picture, at Project, Twitter, at Project, poppunkprojectgmail.com, patreon.com slash Project. We're going to take a couple weeks off. <laughs> no. Fake news. <laughs> Guys, I have a confession to make. That was a great episode. I had the time in my life, and as always, I hope you all have the time of your lives. Good riddance. There you go, nailed it. Bye. Is there a part of the album where he talks about a mission or a brand? Because... No, I, I honestly don't. No, why? Are you waiting for me to say something? I was just wondering because you had mentioned. I think it's pretty straightforward that he says all these things. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said I think we might see those, but it turns out we're not going to. So it is what it is. <laughs>